0: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. What sets the movies apart from pretty much every other art form is their sheer size. Not only do they fill up an entire wall at the cinema, they feature locations anywhere you can imagine, stories written by the best, certainly the best paid talent available, the greatest actors, designers, composers and cinematographers and more than that the reason they can command resources that dwarf the excesses of ancient rome is they're supported by the biggest audiences movies really are the greatest show on earth you have something very rare you have wonder you have mystique Which is certainly why I love them, particularly watching them at a decent-sized cinema. But size is a relative thing, and this hasn't been a particularly memorable holiday season for massive blockbusters. Everything seems a little underpowered. If you lead, the Seven Kingdoms will follow DC Comics' Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Willy Wonka's musical prequel Wonka, and Disney's Wish didn't exactly set the world on fire despite their often staggering budgets. But size isn't just spectacle and thunderous soundtracks. There's got to be an idea in there, some interesting people, a few surprises. A story, in other words. Is it sports in it? Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture... Revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Doesn't sound too bad. For someone who professes to love great big Hollywood movies, it's astonishing how many of my favourite recent films have been smaller ones. But films like Anatomy of a Fall, Past Lives, Living and Scrapper didn't have the budgets to bamboozle us with special effects and PR hype. All they had were characters and story. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realise they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. Mind you, it has been a better year for big movies than it's been for a while. Say what you like about the four favourites in the upcoming Oscars, they're certainly all big by anyone's standards are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button we destroy the world chances are near zero near zero what do you want from theory alone zero would be nice There are two traditional Hollywood prestige productions, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer and Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, and there are two fantasy spectaculars, Greta Gerwig's Rhapsody in Pink Barbie and Yorgos Lanthimos's twist on the Bride of Frankenstein, Poor Things. She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronised. But she's progressing at an accelerated pace. If there's a message here, it may be, make your own movie. Stop simply cashing in on something that's already popular, such as American pro wrestling. Years after Hulk Hogan and The Rock ruled the small screens here, everyone's favourite fake sport is still massive in the States, judging by a new film called The Iron Claw. Look at my beautiful brothers. Bonners are the greatest family in the history of wrestling. If the tale of the doomed Von Erich brothers isn't your speed, perhaps you can be tempted by the movie version of the Smash Hit Broadway musical, inspired by Steven Spielberg's 1986 film, The Colour Purple. going to be some changes made. But in fact the best film this week makes no effort to suck up to established audiences. It's undeniably an art film, the dialogue is entirely in Japanese, what there is of it, and it mostly takes place in a number of Tokyo toilets. Welcome to Perfect Days. German director Wim Wenders is yet another cinematic old master making some of his best work at the moment. Following in the footsteps of Martin Scorsese, Ken Loach, Ridley Scott and Hayao Miyazaki, Wenders' latest perfect days is an extraordinary example of both good luck and good management. Originally, the German auteur of classic dramas like Paris, Texas and Wings of Desire and documentaries like the Buena Vista Social Club and 3D ballet extravaganza Pina was invited to make four short documentaries about Tokyo's famous public toilets. Firm offered to make one full drama on the subject instead. The slightly bemused Japanese producers agreed. has then scribbled a one-page outline and sent it to his favorite actor, Japanese star Koji Yakusho, best known for that 1996 charmer shall we dance. Yakusho said yes and then delivered one of the best performances of the year. Zutto Kondo ne. Kondo wa kondo. Imawa ima. but I'm getting ahead of myself. The story of Perfect Days is as simple as a one-page outline, on paper at any rate. Middle-aged Hirayama lives alone, he cleans upmarket toilets for a living, and his days follow a set pattern from dawn to bedtime. Wake up, clean teeth, water your plants, get in the van to go to work, put on a cassette. Just a perfect day Drink in the park And then later, when it gets dark, we go home. Yes, cassette, like all films about ageing characters these days, old technology has to be explained to young folks. And for people of a certain age, once you hear the first couple of tracks on Hirayama's mixtape... Lou Reed's Perfect Day, Otis Redding's Dock of the Bay, you have a pretty good idea who else is going to show up. Patty Smith's Redondo Beach, The Kinks' Sunny Afternoon, Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl, all combine to give a tone of nostalgia, but not bitterness or even regret. For all his solitary ways and minimal social life, Hirayama seems happy enough with his life. The band's challenge is to reflect this without boring the pants office. The thing is, Hirayama's not bored, he likes the slightly irritating kid he works with, he likes the kid's girlfriend, particularly when she proves sound on Patti Smith. He likes taking photos of his favourite trees in the park where he has lunch, and that uneventful life is about to be disrupted. Nico. <laughs> Oh, it's I spent it with <laughs> his teenage niece suddenly shows up, having run away from home. They haven't seen each other for years. It seems Hirayama and his sister have been estranged all that time. Hirayama tells Nico she can stay as long as she likes, but... Now, for the first time, we start to wonder about Hirayama's past. Who is he? How did he get here? And is he really as content as he seems? Any questions we might have are entirely down to the central performance. The wonderful Koji Yakusho is particularly good at getting things across without apparently doing anything. You're going to read, just watch It's not true, of course, he's working all the time, even if you don't see it, until the final breathtaking shot. Is he laughing? Is he crying? What's going on? Koji picked up Best Actor at last year's Cannes Film Festival and quite right too. Frankly, he makes this year's Oscar nominees all look like runners up. Kondo wa kondo. Imawa ima. What comic books are to literature, what soap opera is to TV drama, so pro-wrestling is to sport, I suppose. It's bigger, it's flashier, it's more colourful, and of course the end result is more satisfying. Wrestlers don't like people calling these bouts fake, they prefer predetermined. I imagine North Koreans feel the same way about their elections. Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing could ever hurt us. But fake or not, pro wrestling is still hugely popular around the world with its larger-than-life characters and its mapped-out storylines that culminate in villains defeated and heroes triumphant. Good guys like the famous Von Erich family. I just love being out there with you guys the only thing that matters to me. The will forever be the greatest family in the history of wrestling. Now I say famous, it's been quite a while since I last watched the WWF's Wrestlemania in slightly dazed confusion, so I'd rather forgotten about the doomed Von Erich brothers and their domineering father, Fritz. Perry, oh, no. I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. <laughs> Now, we all know Kerry's my favourite, then Kev, then David, then Mike, but the rankings can always change. Fritz used to be a wrestler himself. His persona in the 60s was a villainous Nazi, and the Von Erich signature move was grabbing his opponent's forehead in the dreaded iron claw. Now Dad relies on his wrestler sons Kevin and David, and later Kerry and Michael, to win the coveted world championship. From Denton, Texas... Weighing in at a combined weight of 690 pounds. Kevin, Carey and David Vaughnery. Kevin the Eldest is played by Zach Efron, who's an eyeful for people who just know him as a teenage heartthrob in high school musical and the greatest showman. There's certainly a lot more of him. He looks like a miniature version of The Rock in this film. Zach's the one brother who's allowed a love life. What do you want in life, Kevin Bonner? More ribs. (laughs) I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? English actress Lily James must have set some sort of record for number of starring roles without quite graduating to A-list. Downton Abbey, Mamma Mia, Yesterday, TV's War and Peace, Pam and Tommy. What's a girl got to do to get noticed? Well, possibly not the iron claw. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron claw to you. Zach's brothers include Harris Dickinson as David, the one with the gift of the gab, and Jeremy Allen White as Kerry, the one with emotional problems. The other brother, the rather weedy Michael, would rather be playing guitar. Well, good luck with that, Mike. Can I talk to you about something tomorrow? Dad's too tough on us. You gotta say something. Maybe that's what your brother's for. Feel that? Uh, you feel that? You uh, feel that? That's a question. You push too hard. I'm fine, Kiff, seriously, I'm just sick. If you're not already on board for the idea of a story about the Von Erich brothers and their famous family curse, chances are you're not a big wrestling fan. You'll be asking inconvenient questions about predetermined sports and how you compete to win a championship when the result has already been fixed. If you are a wrestling fan and therefore excited by the prospect of the Iron Claw, you may have your own inconvenient questions. Like, how come these popular actors look very little like the gigantic originals, apart from their dodgy 80s wigs? That's a terrible accident. I should have stopped him. I need to think about my family. Your job is to wrestle. Live up to that deal, or we are through. When Zac Efron steps into the ring with a caption saying six foot two is certainly a test for the fans willing suspension of disbelief. The story is already well known to them. Of course, the tragic string of casualties among the brothers and how they somehow kept going generation after generation. So what do you do? Like were alive. I love your family. Kevin. Don't we uncle? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. For the rest of us, there's not much apart from counting the number of times the Iron Claw name checks family and brothers. But we can certainly enjoy Lily James gamely smiling throughout the movie with a pretty good Texas accent. You go, Lil. It's Pam. Pam. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to say nice to meet you, Pam. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Oh. It is nice to meet you, man. It's nice to meet you too, Kevin. Somehow I got through the 80s without ever seeing The Colour Purple. It was Steven Spielberg's first serious movie after a career devoted to blockbusters, and it launched the careers of stars Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey. Now the three have joined forces to produce the remake nearly 40 years on. How come you don't laugh, no? Ain't you got something to make you just smile? But that's not quite the whole story. Between those two films, Alice Walker's novel was turned into a hit Broadway musical, not once, but twice. And this film is basically a rendition of that show. Can this colour purple break the current curse of Broadway hit musicals to Hollywood flops? The notorious failure of Cats alone has meant that often films like La La Land, The Greatest Showman, Mean Girls and Wonka all have to pretend they're not musicals at all, including much of the publicity for The Colour Purple. But in fact, the most off-putting thing about this film isn't the songs or the dancing. It's how dark it is, particularly if you were fooled by the sunny opening in 1900s Georgia. Today, our teacher taught us about a place called Africa. She say our mama's come from Queens over there. That means that we. royalty. <laughs> we meet two teenage sisters, Celia and Nettie, happily getting ready to go to church. There's uplifting gospel music, there's all sorts of sisterly love, and arriving on an old horse, there's the charming Mr. plucking away on his old banjo. Yeah, no. I talking to Paul, the devil. He shall sure look nice for the devil. I don't know what it is about banjos that signify villainy in rural American movies these days, but that's not the worst. Teenage Seely has a baby, two babies in fact, both packed off for adoption. She's sold into marriage by her wicked stepfather. Then her sister Nettie's run off both the farm and indeed most of the color purple. What sort of musical is this? Uh. Don't move. Get off my leg! I'll rat you every day! No. Nothing but death can keep me from it! So now the story is entirely that of poor Celie, played by Fantasia Barino, who, in the tradition of this sort of story, is punished over and over again by the ghastly men in her life. Led, of course, by the banjo-plunking mister. Yes, listener, she married him. I was married to a man I didn't love. What I say, go? And he took my sister away from me. Even if we have to part, you and me, us, us have one heart. When you turn a famous book, then movie, into a musical, you have to make room for an awful lot of uplifting songs. And to make room for Hell No, I'm Here, pushed a button in the aptly named mysterious ways, you have to lose a certain amount of explanation and motivation. time me and you was introduced? Tell them who I is, high folks. Well, uh, Pa, Grampy, I want to introduce y'all to my girl. <laughs> this is Sophia. Characters mysteriously appear and then vanish. That's Mr's infant son, Harpo, now suddenly in his 20s with a stroppy girlfriend called Sophia. And here comes Mr's old girlfriend, Shug, played by Taraji P. Henson, who not only takes over both Mr and Seeley, but the whole movie as well. There's going to be some changes made. To make all these plots, subplots and half-plots come out properly, you need one of the great Hollywood directors. But producer Steven Spielberg was probably right not to revisit his old hit. As he learned a year or so ago with West Side Story, there's no percentage in remaking a well-known and well-loved movie. No matter how hard you work, it'll never be as good as the film in people's memories. Put it on. This ain't me. Hush, we need to look like we belong. Let's see this smile and color. sweet and loving God. Showing my heart to the folks that to you. Well, that's the difference with a stage version of a musical. Just being there in a full house, applauding the live performances and joining in on the choruses, you can forgive any lapses in a story. Somehow, watching it on film in a half-empty cinema or, worse, on your laptop isn't quite the same thing. Well, the curtains come down on this show. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out Botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.